Hello and welcome to another episode of The Candid Fitness, a podcast where I share my learning through personal stories and also invite guests to talk about their stories or share their expertise on all things fitness, which includes physical health, nutrition, workouts, mental health, self-discipline and much more. Today's episode is the part 2 of the PCOS series that is polycystic ovary syndrome with Dr. Jayati Dureja who is a practicing gynecologist and obstetrician with a special interest in maternal fetal medicine and prenatal genetics. Now if you have not yet listened to part 1, pause this podcast right now, go back and listen to part 1. It is all on why someone possibly gets diagnosed with PCOS, what are the common symptoms and the reasons as to why doctors prescribe certain medications for PCOS. We also discuss what hormonal imbalances occur in a woman's body that potentially leads to the PCOS symptoms. And today we are going to discuss what lifestyle and nutrition based changes can a woman make to manage PCOS effectively. We also talk about some common myths and frequently asked questions. I hope this conversation would be as valuable for you as it was for me. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a 5 star review on iTunes. It would mean a lot to us. Also if you're looking for a health coach, someone who can help you integrate fitness and nutrition into your lifestyle, please head to my website abhimanyubhargav.com and check out one-on-one online coaching page or you can simply message me on Instagram. The links are provided in show notes. Now without further delay, let's get to our discussion. So come join us and enjoy this candid conversation. from a nutritional perspective do you have any uh, suggestions or uh, tips for people who have been diagnosed with pcos uh, in terms of how do they get started once they've been diagnosed or if they've been diagnosed for a while and their doctor have asked them to either lose weight or start eating healthier or, or make some changes to their lifestyle um where to get started if that patient can uh, afford i would really recommend a nutritional coach because as we were just talking about uh, everybody comes from a different background everybody's uh, staple diet is very different and uh, i would not want that patient to uh, deviate too much from what she's grown up eating but i would uh, sort of change the proportions of what she's grown up eating so we have this you know these plate models like if you take a circular plate and you divide it uh, in the shape of a y so that makes it one third one third one third um so i would say one third would be salad one third would be protein and one third would be carb and carb includes cooked vegetables it's not just the chawal and it's not just the uh, roti right and uh, and some curd also on the side or like in this one third carb is where i would further sort of divide the carbs into half and be like this half should be curd and the other half can be your grain that that would be a good way to start uh, increasing the proteins and increasing uh, whole uh, raw vegetables or salads in the diet there's a lot of different fads going around that uh, you know sugars in fruits are bad i i really i i can't tell <laughs> enough how how bad that uh, that sort of information is to spread fruit sugar is fine as long as you're eating the fruit you're not drinking the fruit it has all the fiber in there as long as you're not removing the fiber yeah part. and even if even if you're drinking it like you're juicing it then juice it in an like 
you would eat only one orange if you really sat down to eat it and if you feel like having it in juice form for its other nutrients other than fiber then juice a single orange and it might be this much juice but then okay you drink that uh, then you shouldn't be concentrating on having a big whole glass of orange juice that would be like some you know five six oranges because yeah that fructose content would be quite a lot and even that wouldn't be so harmful honestly apart from the calories uh, point of view fructose in general is not harmful there is something called fructose corn syrup which is used in all processed foods and because of that word fructose coming in on those labels fructose has got a bad name is uh, my understanding but fructose as in the natural form straight plucked from the tree and eating is completely fine in fact uh, this fructose is what is needed by the good bacteria in the uh, in the gut to grow and to prevent the bad bacteria from growing so there's nothing wrong with eating fruits but yeah you i mean you decide the three four fruits that you want to eat in a day spread them out there are better timings to eat fruit make sure there's um you know there's enough salad with each meal uh, preferably eaten before the meal so one doesn't overeat the main meal and to make sure there's a, a good amount of protein so i think 1 gram per kg body weight protein is recommended so if someone is 60 kilos they should be getting 60 grams of protein in a day um and protein in itself is uh, so good in giving satiety yes that uh, the moment anybody shifts to that much protein they will automatically not eat uh, so many grains and i think we have some you know popular science documentary research uh, to blame because i think in the 70s or 80s uh this uh, documentary came out about how bad cholesterol is like it's the silent it's actually killer, needed by the body and people stopped eating yeah it's need every cell uh, every cell is made up of cholesterol like the cell lining is made of cholesterol so and each hormone is made of cholesterol as a precursor like all estrogen progesterone testosterone everything is made uh, from cholesterol uh so uh, what happened uh, once that documentary came out is people stopped eating egg yellows and uh, they were told that uh, this is bad and they would feel hungry so they had to eat something and a lot of these snacks were advertised as being healthy and light which were actually not healthy or light they were you know loaded with sugar and they were very carb heavy so people went from actually having somewhat balanced meals okay yeah maybe they were very heavy on the uh, you know they shouldn't be having deep fried or oily food but overall the diet wasn't that bad but a lot of these advertisements which tell you uh, is juice may uh, you get all the nutrients of this particular fruit that's crap <laughs> or if someone is telling you it's baked not fried so you can eat without guilt that's crap uh so you know like and i i've had like older people in the family going like hey do, don't diet eat this is a healthy eat it eat, eat it like uh, don't don't suffer it's not healthy just because the ad is saying it's healthy it's not healthy there's a ad that i saw a few days back about some uh, thermal yeah. and it said just wear this thermal and you'll be fine you don't need anything <laughs> else in the in the winter and i was like why who approves these ads like it just doesn't make any sense yeah so um 
after looking at all this and uh, because i myself gained a lot of weight and then you know like i spent time losing it and uh, what i've understood is like if i have to tell someone in a very simple way it would be increase your salads increase your proteins dal is not a protein because a lot of people will eat two calories dal and say i increase my proteins so protein is uh, chicken egg paneer tofu uh soya is an okay okay source because the bioavailable protein is not as good as the amount of soya that you eat so each meal should have one of these proteins eat like a big bowl of salad don't eat anything out of a packet don't eat anything that's added <laughs> these are the four principles fifth one uh, which i also add for pcos specifically is to not eat anything white white so that's maida and refined sugar okay white bread maida so all your bakery products just go away because all bakery products are basically sugar maida and one extra you know emulsifying agent to make cakes to make or like samosas is like you know maida or uh, all these puffs that you get basically the moment you look at the food and you ask was you know did maida or sugar go into making this and if the answer is yes don't eat it so when you say don't eat it is it like never ever eat it or it's like occasionally you can eat it but don't make it part of your daily diet yeah don't make it a part of your daily diet once a week and then again it's not like once a week bola tha to you start binging on it that one day one meal a week you may have it and in a you know decent quantity not i guess any anything in moderation is okay like it's 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 all about excess right yeah it's all about uh, i i would say pcos is a disease of excess excess stress excess uh, junk food excess like when we when we watch movies and we're seeing okay the the actress is pmsing and she's eaten like an entire bar of chocolate or she's eaten an entire cake and then you know we also start craving it like oh, i'm pmsing or i had a bad day i deserve this so uh we need to have better associations for you know like if i'm having a bad day then i'm going to eat two bowls of salad not like i'm going to go and get myself a pastry uh, to you know feel better so we need to really stop associating mood swings with what we are eating i think that that's another thing but that mindfulness is going to take a lot lot of effort and lot of time i think it it becomes a vicious cycle as well like you are stressed you're not in a good mood therefore you binge then you binge and you're like oh shit i binged and i ate a lot of unhealthy food and therefore i feel worse and then i feel worse and therefore i eat more and it just goes on like a vicious cycle so yeah i, I can totally relate so to you that. can have like a screen saver of your phone saying like don't binge eat when you're feeling low you know um i, I do whatever it your you know it's needed like delete swiggy and zomato from your phone for some time or it it takes a lot of motivation um i myself like even with this knowledge i found it difficult so i got a nutritional coach uh to help me through it and she would text me three times a day are you following it like and she would give me a new diet like what what's in your fridge today what do you feel like eating tomorrow and if i told her tomorrow i feel like eating chocolate cake and she's like okay you can have it but you have to weigh it it shouldn't be more than like 50 grams a piece and you can eat it 
around this time like in the first half of the day so she didn't deny me uh, anything but i understood uh, where i was going wrong with my even with my cravings uh, i learned it's not bad to have cravings but how much to allow myself to give in to that craving is also very important because yeah let's face it like there's a lot of tempting things to eat and uh, i i would be like no i i deserve to experience this uh, culinary delight so that's what i would say if you if you can afford a nutritional coach go for it otherwise the four five principles that i've said um definitely follow those uh, principles as far as diet is concerned and definitely some sort of physical exercise uh, during the day more for the endorphin rush rather than the you know weight loss component or uh the weight loss is going to come mostly from the diet modification it's not going to come so much from the exercise i think exercise is required for your general well being as well both mental as well as physical because you need to yeah. put mechanical stress to your bones so that your bone density increases and your bones are stronger yes yes and uh, a lot of women with pcos also suffer from depression um it's considered a part of this chronic inflammation spectrum and it's not spoken about so much um you know we just assume okay they're feeling low because they're overweight or they're feeling low because of you know things are not normal but uh, depression is a separate component that is seen in these women so an exercise really helps to sort of stabilize uh, their mood if nothing else so i i would say instead of going to a psychiatrist and taking antidepressants half an hour of exercise 45 minutes of exercise every day is much better okay and it can be any time of the day it doesn't have to be oh mujhe subah nahi utha jata or like i have to you know today in the evening i went shopping so what even before sleeping put on like a youtube video of a trainer uh, you know doing something basic or get a personal trainer like i have a personal trainer who uh, i have fixed a time with and we do video sessions and you know he tells me how to lift my weights properly or keeps changing the exercise routine because i get bored very easily so i have some sort of a routine with him and it's something i can do in a small room in my house i don't have to go outside the time doesn't matter the environment doesn't matter you know i have complete control over the environment and the space so i think this is something a lot of women should inculcate like they should start doing some sort of exercise at home it doesn't have to be like a walk outside it they can be a lot of uh, high impact or low impact cardio that can be done in a 6 by 6 foot area in the house which they should really start doing yeah so uh, can you also share with us some of the supplements that women can take particularly the ones who are diagnosed with pcos and for women in general so i would divide this into two uh, supplements which women with pcos should take and then for uh, women in india in general coming to pcos because the dogma theory is upcoming and uh, you know the leaky gut and uh, gut dysbiosis is being linked with the the pathology behind pcos so i would really recommend going for probiotics as well as prebiotics uh, so probiotics are uh, small capsules which come loaded with lactobacillus or uh, bifid bacilli which are good for the gut uh, they're even good for vaginal health 
and prebiotics are substances which are used as uh, sort of um, you know food by these bacteria so that they can thrive so prebiotics would be things like banana oats insoluble carbohydrates basically which would really help uh, the gut bacteria to grow and sort of protect this damaged leaky gut and uh, a natural probiotic that is available in all our houses is curd so that is something women with pcos should try to include in at least two meals a day then uh, we have some supplements available in the market uh, which are you know being sold as ovarian health supplements and uh, these are certain uh, micronutrients which help these pco uh, follicles which are immature follicles uh, to grow better so if these follicles start growing better on their own uh, as we discussed uh, they will mature and then you know the periods would happen on time so these uh, micronutrients are uh, myoinositol and dcairo and uh, they have to be taken in a certain ratio and in a certain dose which has to be decided by the doctor and the third thing uh, which is not exactly a supplement because it's not something uh, patients can start on their own but it's an insulin sensitizer and that is metformin we start metformin in women with pcos who are also showing pre diabetes like symptoms and uh, it really helps these women uh, it helps in weight loss it helps in uh, regularization of cycles and it even helps in fertility so it it's got an immense role but again this is something that is started by the doctor and uh, should not be taken uh, by the patient on her own and uh, another thing which really helps uh, decrease insulin resistance which i told you earlier is weight loss and uh, something which is mentioned in all our books is that if a woman loses just 5% of her body weight uh, there is a very significant increase in her fertility and even um, period regularity so this is why exercise and um, you know weight loss becomes important especially in the obese pcos so i think all of these are very important supplements and um, vitamin d is something which is again very very important for pco women but also for uh, all women in general and um, i have seen cases where uh, you know just taking vitamin d has regularized the periods or the cycle for a lot of patients uh, this is also because vitamin d uh, acts like a hormone in the body it's not just a supplement and a lot of people don't know about you know vitamin d acting in that way so there is it's possible that it acts as an intermediate hormone or intermediate uh, messenger at the level of the ovaries which sort of gives a jump start to the ovaries and um, so vitamin d is, yeah. isn't that something that we can get from sun as well <laughs> uh yeah i i actually did my thesis on vitamin d and i was very surprised to know and understand how you know vitamin d is produced in our skin so our skin does contain certain enzymes which convert sunlight into vitamin d in the body and um, that uh, the first product which is converted in the skin goes and gets further converted into usable vitamin d by going to the kidney and the liver and then that goes to each cell of the body and uh, you know does its function either as a 
cellular messenger or as a hormone and um, about 80% of your body surface area should be exposed for at least 3 hours a day to sunlight and uh, this is a data that we have for tropical countries so when it comes to uh, more temperate climates um you know we we can't apply the same when it comes to you know habits of staying indoors to not get tanned uh, because um you know sunlight also it's like a double edged sword uh, there's a lot of skin cancers associated with uh, sunlight so um you know and there is always always a cosmetic side to you know tanning in india as well so if you're not uh, even if you're living in a tropical country but you're not going to be you know in the sun for that many hours and even if you're in the sun for that many hours we have you know our culture has a lot of modesty associated with clothing so they will not have 80% body surface area being exposed and then uh, there is even a particular time of the day like uh, the angle of the sun rays which is best for uh, you know getting converted to converted to vitamin d in the body so you know that's only during the couple of hours in the morning and afternoon sun is actually not that good the angle is not so good so uh, if you look at all those factors it becomes a task to get vitamin d naturally for i would say 95% of the world's population so uh, what a lot of uh, developed nations have started doing is they've started fortifying uh, milk cheese um even some grains with vitamin d to decrease you know it's, it's a pandemic <laughs> it was a pandemic before corona and it's an ongoing pandemic of uh, vitamin d deficiency so a lot of governments a lot of uh, you know the health authorities are really trying to bring this into light and get people to start taking vitamin d supplements because they are needed there's there's no going away from it and uh, how to take it again is something that you have to speak to your doctor about because there is something known as vitamin d toxicity also in the body so you there could be too much vitamin d in body as well yeah so um there there are side effects to too much vitamin d because uh, we basically have two types of uh, vitamins broadly there are fat soluble and there are water soluble so fat soluble vitamins have to be taken in a certain uh, restricted amount and uh, water soluble ones you can take as much as you know you want they won't cause any harm because the excess will just be uh, thrown out by your body in the form of sweat and you know when you uh, go to pass urine so uh, vitamin d a e and vitamin k these are the four vitamins which are fat soluble and this is something that you should not start supplementing on your own there's a way to take vitamin d like once a week for the first 4 to 6 weeks then once a month for the next 4 to 6 months in case of a deficiency and then maybe once every 2 months uh, of you know for your rest of your life for maintenance so uh, once every 2 months once every 2 months after you've reached uh, adequate levels yeah so i mean there's a there's a way we go about it uh once uh, the initial therapeutic course is over then the maintenance course because we know people are not getting exposure to sunlight and even that sunlight requires a lot of body surface area being exposed so uh, this is some this is a type of deficiency that will keep coming back so we do need a maintenance dose so once in every 2 months 
should be sufficient to maintain normal levels without going into toxicity again this is uh, something that we'll do a blood test before we advise you know going in for a routine like that because if someone's had very high levels then we won't we'll give them maybe once in 3 months or once in 4 months you know like or we'll tell them okay now the next one you take after 3 months okay so we all should get our bl- blood tested and check if we have vitamin d deficiency i am sure everybody will have vitamin d <laughs> deficiency there was not a single patient in my entire thesis who did not have vitamin d deficiency so um i had a 100% rate of deficiency in my thesis and i tested wow, around 200 women yeah <laughs> i tested around 200 women and they all had uh, vitamin d deficiency and these were all pregnant women so you can imagine the implications on the next generation like the fetus requires a lot of calcium and vitamin d for bone synthesis so we are giving birth to a generation of you know vitamin d deficiency at birth mm-hmm. which is very scary so that's why it's very important for women to take vitamin d yeah i think men should also take vitamin d given you're saying that Uh, it requires 3 hours of exposure per day which is quite a lot yeah unless you're a farmer who's you know farming wearing only a lungi <laughs> maybe you're getting <laughs> vitamin d exposure from the sun <laughs> everybody else needs the supplements <laughs> right so we sort of got into that vitamin d trajectory coming back to the supplements is there anything else that you recommend generally to uh, all the women So I think I told you about the PCO women, and then in all the women, uh, I think probiotics, prebiotics is something I would recommend not only all women but all men as well. And um, vitamin D again is common to everybody. Then uh, something which uh, another you know sort of very common problem in Indian women is that of iron deficiency. and uh, that usually happens because a lot of women don't disclose when they have uh, you know very heavy bleeding during periods and a lot of women with pcos also have heavy bleeding because uh, they get a withdrawal sometimes after 2 to 3 months so the period they get can get quite heavy so um, iron supplements or having a non vegetarian diet and uh, you know also getting the cause behind iron deficiency looked into is very important for all women then uh, calcium supplements at least 500 mg per day uh, i would recommend to all women above the age of 30 because um, all the bone mineralization that has to happen happens by the end of our 20s and uh, after that uh, whenever there's inadequate calcium in our bloodstream the hormones just sort of go and start uh, chiseling away at our bones to make sure there's enough calcium in the bloodstream because calcium is a very important um, it almost acts like an enzyme or an intermediate subject uh, intermediate substrate for a lot of reactions happening in each cell like when you contract your muscles you need calcium if you're blinking that's like you know your muscles are working so you need calcium even for blinking for eating right for walking <laughs> yeah so um we 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 think of calcium and vitamin d only with respect to bones and um, 
you know that's what the body does like if you don't have enough calcium once your aging starts after 30 and your you know new bone formation stops after 30 it's just going to keep chiseling away at the reserve of calcium in your body which is bones so bones may have a functional use that is you know doing sports and walking and you know maintaining your body structure but uh, the the brain and all the cells don't see that as a very great use the first use they see from the bones is that um, that's our calcium bank and they start eroding mm-hmm. it away because each cell needs calcium at the level of the nucleus at the level of the mitochondria at the level of uh, you know to process food to make blood clot to as, as i said even blinking requires uh, calcium in the muscles so the, the, that's the reason why all women above the age, age of 30 should just start taking calcium and this is uh, it should be 1000 mg for pregnant women as well as menopausal women okay 1000 mg per day per day okay and um, another trend i've seen amongst a lot of women in the cities to go vegan <laughs> so <laughs> i want to address that as well because uh, once you go vegan or even uh, the largely vegetarian diet that indians follow uh, there's a severe lack of uh, b12 vitamin b12 uh, which is found only in animal sources so um, and b12 is again almost as important as calcium it has almost the same functions which i told you like from being involved in the blood cells to the muscles and even more importantly uh, for nerve nerves to transmit signals so a lot of people who have b12 deficiency they start having tingling numbness uh, slowness uh, so b12 is something all vegetarians should take as a supplement and especially vegan uh, people following a vegan diet should take b12 is there a recommended dosage for that So uh, all these vitamins almost all the vitamins have an RDA recommended daily allowance which is uh, recommended on the uh, fact uh, or on the assumption that you have a basic reserve and what you need to take daily to maintain you know all your body functions so that uh, that level is quite low um, it's i think about uh, i'll have to cross check but it's about 100 microgram or something very small amount uh, it's something that one egg yolk a day can give you easily if you take okay. one egg yolk a day you or even one egg yolk four times a week your b12 will be good to go uh, but uh, once a person has deficiency they would have a different type of anemia as far as you know the blood picture of b12 is concerned and they would also have these uh, nerve related symptoms so in those people we need to give them 1500 microgram or 1.5 milligram a day till the levels are corrected and then they can go back to the rda recommended values once the levels are corrected over about 2 months and that is level correction as well as building up some uh, storage reserves in the body so okay uh, got it and another thing i would uh, like to inquire about if i see a non vegetarian person coming with b12 deficiency since we're talking about b12 uh, and they also have these symptoms then i would think about malabsorption celiac gluten intolerance so it could be somebody who's been having you know 
uh, egg and chicken and all these animal sources of B12, but like say having roti every day. So it's not getting absorbed. And these are the kind of people who would require B12 injections because their gut is not absorbing B12. All right. So, I mean, I think we can talk about each... Uh, you know, vitamin and nutritional <laughs> deficiency or, uh, for an entire, uh, entirely different podcast. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but women do need to take care of all of this because uh, nutrition is something women tend to neglect a lot because of diet fads and, you know, weight loss. And um, they don't, most women don't know that you know, the primary function of bones is not movement, but uh, to act as a calcium bank and that it's getting eroded away after the age of 30. Yeah, and before I forget, uh, folic acid is another vitamin required by women uh, who are planning pregnancy uh, because folic acid deficiency can cause uh, neural tube defects in uh, the fetus. So uh, that is something I would, again, reserve if you're saying for all general women, I would keep it for the reproductive age group women who come to me. So um, these are things women should know and they should take care of. I think that's what I would talk about in general. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. One question that uh, has popped up uh, multiple times uh, is around weight gain and PCOS. And specifically, it is more around the fact that say, some women can be overweight but they have been able to manage PCOS. They are eating healthy. After they got diagnosed, they've started eating healthy. They've started exercising, but they are still at a level where they are considered overweight, uh, but their periods are normal. So in that scenario, from the perspective of PCOS management, should they work on further reducing their weight or it's okay to be slightly overweight and be doing what they are doing? as long as they are able to manage their PCOS? See, it depends on what is the uh, person's target when they started exercising. If it is just to have regular periods, uh, lose some weight, they don't want to look a certain way, they don't want to wear certain clothes, they don't mind being slightly overweight, they're, and their periods are fine, uh, their acne has come down, or their ovaries are looking better on the scan. Okay, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, being an, being overweight has other health implications like on heart health, on, on you know, joints, uh, the weight that the joints have to bear, on uh, bone health. So uh, weight itself has other implications. Um, again, it, it predisposes the person to diabetes, increases risk of hypertension. So uh, there are other things which are independently related with weight. Uh, which is why the person, if possible, can get into a normal uh, BMI or uh, not be overweight would be beneficial. But if the person is slightly overweight and uh, is doing well, keep doing it. Like uh, weight loss is a very slow process and, you know, continuing and maintaining is more important than uh, having these targets to reach in a particular uh, time. The effort, uh, the, it's it's going to be a slow continuous effort that is going to be needed so and in any chronic disease the motivation uh, you know to be to stay motivated to do something every day is very tough so i would just uh, congratulate such a person that okay you're doing well your periods have 
improve don't stop doing what you're doing just because your periods got okay continue doesn't doing. mean yeah continue doing it it's working for you and and even in women who aren't seeing dramatic uh, improvements uh, i feel they should also not stop because uh, at least it's going to prevent it from getting worse uh, is what i'm going to tell them and it may you know some people see changes in 2 months but for uh, that person it may take you know 6 months or 8 months to see similar changes so it's important to not give up and even in thin pcos uh, there is insulin resistance and insistence uh, definitely comes down by cutting out the refined sugars and refined uh, grains and by exercising so even though they don't need to exercise to lose weight they need to exercise to decrease the insulin resistance and uh, that is something they need to understand you know if i when i'm telling a very thin person no you need to exercise they'll be like what do you mean i'm already so thin uh, so they also need to understand i think that. in terms of being thin and not exercising it's it's sort yeah. of a myth because when you exercise you uh, burn more calories but at the same time you're also building more muscles and because you're burning more calories you you feel more hungry and mm-hmm. you take care of your nutrition and in effect in effect you build mass so uh, if you are thin and if you exercise that's and and you take care of your diet then that's a great way to get broader build some muscles and and look and feel better yeah yeah so in in like the thin pco i would tell them to do more of strength training uh, because muscles are one of the biggest uh, sources of insulin resistance in the body so i would tell them i would advise strength training to all but if someone is very concerned about becoming thinner then i would tell that person okay you do more strength training and less of high impact cardio you do steady state cardio and for someone who's overweight i would tell them to do everything like fixed days for cardio fixed days for strength training and have a again have somebody advising them how to go about it uh, because we are not experts <laughs> we i i just know these terms but i i i could design something for them saying you need to do this much cardio you need to do this much strength training but i think uh it all requires supervision it all requires training and uh, if they can come to me for this advice they should go to uh, an expert in training and an expert in nutrition for that advice as well yeah that makes sense there's another very common question that i hear about strength training in women that a lot of women say that if we strength train and if we have pcos because of the excess male hormones we are, we tend to get bulkier is that something to do with pcos or is that something that you've seen or heard from your patients i haven't seen it uh, yes they do have extra testosterone in their body everybody every woman has testosterone every man has estrogen i think that is something people should know um so it's just that in the pcos women the testosterone levels are slightly more than uh, testosterone levels in other women uh, they're not they're not so as high as a man okay, yeah yes. that's what i wanted to know if they're as high yeah if they're as high as uh, a man's uh, testosterone levels then it's probably a tumor in the ovary or the adrenal and it needs to be removed because uh, if if they become that high they would have voice changes they would have a whole lot of 
you know other things happening in their body if they ever get as much as a man's uh, testosterone levels so the that testosterone is just causing some bad hair and uh, acne <laughs> and some scalp hair loss yeah that, that's the level of testosterone and uh, another thing which a lot of women don't know is that uh these birth control pills uh, even when they're targeted at reducing the hair uh will not work on the hair which has already come out it will only prevent the new hair from coming out and uh the coarse man like hair which has already come out uh, on their skin uh that can only go away by plucking waxing or by laser so they have these unrealistic expectations that i started this pill and my hair is still there so um with my patients i'm very clear that you won't get new hair but the hair that's already come out you need laser or waxing to be done for that so uh, it's quite a complex disease as you've uh, understood and all these changes will also prevent cancer and diabetes which could happen in the future it's it's very complex disease and uh, we don't talk about these aspects of pcos normally with you know in the non medical uh, practice yeah <laughs> this is something we talk about at conferences um, but i feel not enough patients know that there are you know things more long term than just getting your period or conceiving there's cancer and diabetes and hypertension to worry about in the long run as well so once they understand the long term implications then they would i feel be more uh, attentive to the small daily changes they can make in their life to prevent that from happening yeah it all makes sense that was a good session very informative yeah i enjoyed yeah i i i feel like i've gone through the entire uh, pcos knowledge i have got from some 10 books <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing thank you so much for having that detailed conversation thank you so much for having me yeah Thank you so much for listening. I hope you got value out of this podcast and if you did, please do share it with your friends, relatives, colleagues, anyone you possibly can. PCOS is widespread affecting women not just in India but all over the world and there is still very little awareness about this. So spread the word, educate yourself and those around you. Our next episode will be again on women's health where we discuss the importance of exercise during and after pregnancy with a renowned pre and postnatal fitness coach from Australia. So stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Until next time my friends, have a wonderful day and be awesome.